And Thomas Edison bought shares of a company that called South Sea Shares. Uh, he bought shares, sold it, then it went higher the shares. He felt uh, resentment that he sold his shares and, and he bought again shares and then it dropped in value. <laughs> he, he lost the world's greatest scientist lost in today's value around $6 million back then. Oh, wow. And he never recovered this money. We stand today. The Business Method. The business with method. a shout The Business Method. The Business Method Podcast. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs' systems, methods, tools, and tactics for location independence. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, welcome to the Business Method Podcast, where we examine the different methods, tools, and tactics of high-performance online entrepreneurs and high-caliber people in a series format. Our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs in 100 days that had built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we are interviewing 100 entrepreneurs that have built location-independent businesses that generate a million dollars or more in annual revenue. There is a growing movement of people building these caliber of businesses and we wanted to get behind the minds, the logic, and the science of what it takes to build a business like this. We've had some incredible guests like Bobby Edwards, the founder of Squatty Potty, who built a $35 million per year company with just 17 employees, and JP Sears, the YouTube superstar whose videos are going viral all over the internet. I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and we hope you enjoy the show. The Business Method. Hey listeners, welcome back to the show. Today's episode is part two of an interview we held with the serial entrepreneur and real estate mogul, Noah Lath. If you haven't checked out the first episode yet, make sure you do. It is podcast number 304, published right before this one. If you have listened to Noah's first episode, then welcome back and let's hop right into the show. Entrepreneur's systems, methods, tools, and tactics. I have a question for you, and I and I think since we I think we have a lot in common, um, just because I know you pretty well. But um, I'm always thinking about new philosophical ideas, theories, beliefs. I'm wondering if there's any any philosophical ideas um, in that has been crossing your mind quite a bit lately that you would be interested in sharing. Um, yes, l lately I've been looking more towards a more st stoic lifestyle um, and into more into stoicism. Um, this is something that I'm just starting to discover more into depth by uh, um, by living smaller. Like I'm, I'm searching for a for a for a piece of land outside of Barcelona to put a tiny house and just to experience how it is to not have all the luxury around you. Because sometimes we, we forget when we we live in a certain way, we, we forget uh, that it's not normal to, to have that lifestyle that we have and we travel every week in another country and from five-star hotel to another one. You know, it's, and it's, I think it's good sometimes to just put your uh, feet back on the, on the ground and, and train your muscles, your emotional muscles to, uh, to be happy with less. That's something that I've been uh, researching lately. 
So, so you're buying a house and some land out in uh, the the Catalan mountains, so you can have this this peace of mind or this experience. Yeah, I just want to experience it. Uh, um, so I, I bought uh, this this uh, this piece of land from from the bank, and they had uh, there's some troubles with it. It got squatted, and I went there, spoke to the squatters, and they agreed to leave. So I thought, you know what, what shall I do with this piece of land? And I thought, I'm going to just put a caravan on it and just live there for two, three months and see how it is. <laughs> nice. Very cool. When are you going to start this? Uh, in October. Because uh, it's very easy to do that in the summer. You know, it will be not fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we want some challenge, you know. You're going to do it in the wintertime. So you can go outside and do uh, snow baths, right? Yeah, snow baths, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> well, in, in Spain, it's not doesn't get so cold, to be honest with you, in the, in the winter. Yeah, true. But it does snow up in the mountains, right, in Catalonia? Yes, it does, yeah. yeah. Are you up in the mountains, higher elevation, or are you closer to the coastline? No, no, it's it's very close to the sea. Okay, Like, gotcha. you can see, the, you can look at the sea, so it's... It's uh, it's it's not the worst location, let's say, but uh-huh. it's more about having less, like growing your own uh, uh, food and 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 having living more a basic, more to nature lifestyle. Yeah, that sounds wonderful, man. Um, and are you taking your girlfriend? Yes. Uh, is she excited about this? Yeah, actually, she was the one bit who pushed me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this is wonderful. Who, is, who inspired me in it? No, and, and also, um, like, as you might have seen in the newspapers and everywhere in the, in the, in the financial uh, news, we are living at this moment in a bullish market, mm-hmm. you know, and, and everyone is euphoric about real estate. I even get sometimes real estate deals from people, I think, uh, how did you enter in that, in that space? <laughs> uh, and when that happens, I become extremely careful. Mm, a lot of people, you know, they have when they see everyone in crypto. We ha- we have had happened that in crypto. I've had many friends who lost a lot of money in crypto, uh, and some friends also who made a lot of money in crypto. But if you don't know what you're doing, uh, big risk. And at this moment, because of that FOMO that is being uh, everywhere a bit in in the big cities. Uh, I'm getting starting to become very care, uh, careful and uh, planning for the next crisis. For me, like FOMO, to be honest with you, is like is is, is Mandela uh, said that you know it's like resentment is like drinking poison and expecting our enemy to die. Mm, yeah. You know? And 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 at this moment, a lot of people, you know, they see their neighbor. Uh, making money they see uh, on the financial news, people making money and they feel resentment and they, they feel the, 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 they have this fear of missing out. And and some people think, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm super smart. It's not going to happen to me. Let me share with you a story. A story of Thomas Edison who has been seen as one of the smartest guys that uh, was alive. And Thomas Edison bought shares of a company that called South Sea Shares. South Sea was a, was a company who was on the stock exchange and uh, he bought shares, sold it. Then it went higher the shares. He felt uh, resentment that he sold his shares and, and he bought again shares and then it dropped in value. 
he lost the world's greatest scientist lost in today's value around six million dollar back then oh wow and he never recuperated this money so sometimes people say no i'm smart it's not gonna happen to me smart has nothing to do with with uh, with losing or winning uh, it's it's all about diversification asset location and not following the crowd about having a plan and keeping with a plan and that's unfortunately when the market is as bullish as now many people forget the plan what are some some tips for people that are investing that have money say they have you know a hundred thousand dollars sitting around um what would you tell them would be a good place for the average type of uh, person? As a passive investor or an active investor? Passive. As a passive investor, if someone has $100,000 uh, or euro, um, I would advise them first to um, keep their debt as low as possible, especially because the interest rate is going to go up. So if they have any debts, uh, pay them off as soon as possible, unless they are fixed rate uh, debts for at least 10, 10, 15 years. If it's a mortgage, then you can forget about it. Uh, <laughs> I, will, I will diversify this 100,000. I'll buy 5 to 10% uh, commodities like gold or silver. Um, I have a kind of hate-love relationship with gold and silver because you can look at it. You can touch it, you can wear it, but it's not going to give you any rent. It's not going to give you any dividend. It's not going to give you any crop or food. So I use it mostly for um, becoming liquid in a time of crisis. Because in the crisis, the only thing that goes up uh, is gold uh, and silver. So and it, I buy it not because it goes up in a crisis, but mostly because it becomes liquid. Uh, and then you can buy, in a crisis, undervalued things like real estate or shares, which many people did in 2001, 2008, 98. So um, I would also advise them to buy things that gives them uh, a positive cash flow from day number one. Mm. So an apartment, uh, a garage, but don't buy land with the potential of building something on it that will, especially if they're a passive investor. What's your prediction, Noah, for, for the next, uh, when the next crisis will hit? Well, it's like, it's funny that a lot of people ask me this question and, and, and it's like Cinderella, you know, <laughs> like she, she, she knows that she's going to, change into the maid that she was. Uh -huh. She know that the pumpkins and everything are going to change into mice uh, and at midnight. She just didn't have this watch, you know, in, in the castle. There was no watch. Uh -huh. So you know that's going to happen. And if you know that's going to happen, you can prepare yourself. You can prepare to, 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 to survive it and thrive even in it. Like most of the deal, interesting deals that I had, and most money that I made uh, was up to in up to two thousand nine. Was in two thousand eight and nine. So that is something that uh, that I would advise a lot of people is uh, get educated about what's going to happen, 
uh, by studying history, by getting a mentor, getting a P group, going to a mastermind group, um, going to courses. So getting education about what's going to happen is crucial. Uh, it's like your health, you know. You, you want to also know, you know what's your blood in it and, and if, you, if you have a good heart or not and if you're diabetic or not. It, it's the same with your financial health. Mm. You're not gonna, these days people are educated and smart enough to not let it over to their banks or to, to their accountants. You know, they, they have to take that, uh, uh, that force and action themselves. Right. So that's, that's what I will advise. Get educated. Uh, and by the way, yes, history doesn't repeat itself, but it definitely rhymes. So by studying history, you can almost foresee what's going to happen. I like that. I like that. That's a great way to put it. And that, that really makes sense because like, we don't go to the doctor and say, hey, doc, when am I, when am I going to have a heart attack? We say, like, okay, what's the food I should be eating to prevent the heart attack whenever it comes, right? Or whenever it may come. So that makes sense. Yes. You know, instead True. of asking True. somebody, oh, when does the, when does the crisis happen? So what are the steps that I need to be taking so when it does happen, I'm prepared and I'm true, financially true, healthy? True. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. Um, this is, by the way, true except in China. <laughs> Why in China? So, so in China, you become doctor from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. And uh, a doctor there is to be, prevent you from becoming sick. And if something happens in a village... If there is an epidemic uh, disease that rise in a village, the doctor, the, 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 the village uh, board will cut the head of the doctor. Oh, wow. So, wow. So nowadays, if you are a doctor in a village and came from generation to generation, you know this is a great doctor. Because <laughs> he a, survived it. It's a, it's a great way to hold people accountable, hold doctors accountable. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. You know, I have skin in the game. Yeah. And, and, and that's something, by the way, that, that, uh, that um, I always almost preach about it, mm-hmm. that if you want to do something, if you want to hire people, if you want to become an entrepreneur uh, or a doctor, always have skin in the game. Yeah. Like, like these days when, when, when people invest with me, uh, I always co-invest with them. I always put a part, at least 10% in, in the project that we are doing together yeah. or else I will not have skin in the game. It's not a reliable partner if you don't have skin in the game, which, by the way, is the source of and, and the roots of the 2008 financial crisis. Yes. Because back then, the people that gave advice, I mean, if the fund or the assets will uh, have re- good returns or bad returns, they're going to make their fees anyway. Yeah, and if your readers want to know and understand better about uh, this concept, the skin in the game concept, I will advise uh, uh, Nassim Taleb, uh, "Skin in the Game," amazing book, has been chosen as the top twelve, one of the top twelve books that have influenced human history. Well, say say the title again, Noah. It's called uh, "Skin in the Game" by who? From Nassim Taleb. Na- okay. Very cool. I, I'll have to check that out. I haven't heard of that. But could you imagine, like, our financial advisors, if they lost our money, they got their heads cut off? Wouldn't that be? 
<laughs> I think the world would have looked a very different way. Wall Street would be a much different place, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what kind of... Uh, uh, so before, Noah, actually, he uh, reads um, incredibly... Uh, how many books a year do you read, Noah? Or a month? I, mean, uh, I, I read around four a month. Four a month. Between, yeah, between three and four a month. And... and and uh, uh, a lot of people, you know, think they, oh, that's a lot. Uh, but that's actually just one, one book a week. And one book a week, uh, if, you, if you would read, let's say, an average person read between 300 to 400 words per minute. Mm-hmm. But let's take the low uh, size. Let's say 300 words per minute. If you read only 15 minutes a day before you sleep or when you just wake up, only 15 minutes a day, and if you, by the way, don't have 15 minutes a day, that means you don't have a life. <laughs> Good point. 15, 15 minutes a day. That, that's exactly 23 books average per year, which is two books a month. Now, if you, de- if you take a speed reading course, you will double your, speeding, uh, uh, your, your reading speed uh, by 200%. So you will... You'll double your reading speed just in four hours of training. So you train four hours, you double your your reading speed, and now suddenly you can read almost fifty books a year. Wow. So whoever whoever tells you, "Oh, I don't have time to read," tell give them this equation. You know, I don't like theory. I don't like just to talk. This is statistics. Three hundred words per minute. An average book have around seventy thousand words. Make you math. Right. Twenty three books. A year. Do you read? What's your What's your daily ritual like, Noah? Are you reading in the morning or at the night or nighttime or both? Or um... yeah, so so I read I read before I sleep and I read when I wake up. Uh, um, it, like difficult books, I like to read them when I wake up, and uh, easy books, I like to read them before I sleep. What are you reading these days? So at this moment, I'm reading a book uh, about the dog psychology. And, uh, <laughs> Tell us about it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's funny because it just make, it, uh, it came from a book that I read called uh, Sapiens. Yeah, uh, great book. Sap- yeah, by uh, uh, Hariri. Uh, is a professor, uh, yeah. Jewish uh, professor in um, uh, Israeli professor in, in Jerusalem, and uh, one one of the he, well, he mentioned their uh, research about uh, dogs, how how dogs were prov- proven to be smarter than chimpanzees, and I got excited about that because like dogs are my, my favorite animals. I love dogs, and uh, so I yeah I ordered that book and I'm now reading it. Uh, what are you learning from it? I'm learning that um, that wolves started to change into dogs uh, because of a byproduct of agriculture. So when the agriculture revolution started around 10,000 years ago and the first villages started and, and cities uh, was Hammurabi in Babylon and a byproduct of these villages was uh, garbage. Mm-hmm which was thrown at the corners of the cities. And then the wolves started to came and uh, to eat these garbages. And 
the ones that were too aggressive got killed and the ones that were very soft got domesticated. And that's how we got dogs today. Wow, that's amazing. Yes, a very, very interesting uh, book. That, I, I love it. That is. You know, I love I loved dogs too, especially puppy dogs. And um, one of the things that when, we, when I was in Barcelona last summer, we had a little pet store down below our apartment. And um, I would go down there during my work breaks and just go look at the puppies. And my whole psyche would absolutely change just seeing a dog. And I actually use this this when um, people come home. Because why do everybody love dogs? Because the first thing that happens when you come home is the dog's wagging exactly. his tail, jumping in circles, exactly. trying to lick you. He just wants to love you, like overwhelmingly exactly. love you. And we don't do this to the people we love most, like our family members. And I thought, yeah. wow. And so, you know, somebody walks in the door, you're like, hey, how's work? Yeah, yeah, watching TV, cooking food, blah, blah, blah. And um, and I was like, that's why everybody loves dogs, because they they just, well, they're presents, but they're, they're the most excited person. They're the most excited animal or um, yes. species that that yes. greets you when you come home you know Definitely. and and your spouse isn't doing that your kids aren't doing yeah. that and your, your parents aren't doing that and you wonder why we have all yeah. these these screwed up psychological problems in the world like yeah be a dog when when your loved ones come home and i promise you you're going to change your relationship with whomever it may be exactly. on a completely exactly. different level um, yeah. that, that's why i love so much dogs yeah but now i look dogs at, at in just in a bit more different way, much more respect, let's say, than, than before, because I understand their psychology and how smart they are. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and they've been, like, domesticated for 10,000 years. So, like, for 10,000 years, we've been breeding dogs, and the ones that, that were not obeyed and not, not good to the family and to the tribe got just killed by evolution, let's say. Yeah, that's very so true. That's, that's, yeah, it's very interesting to... To, to, to see it. What's the name of this book? Uh, Genius of a Dog. Genius of a Dog. Very cool. <laughs> Any other books you've read? You're reading? Um, well, I, I uh, just uh, finished uh, a book about stem cell therapy uh, yeah. um, written by Neil Riordan, which is the founder of this stem cell institute that my mother uh, did um, uh, her, uh, her operation or her, her injections. Um, Wealth of Nations, classic. Um, um, I'm rereading it, um, and I just also finished the Scaling Up. By the way, that was uh, a book that was uh, given me by by um, Baby Bathwater Community. Oh. They told me, but it's written by Werner Hernisch. It's how how a few companies, let's say, can how they how they scaled into something much more than they have thought about. Do you read to, uh, ever read to relax? Does reading relax you? Uh, super a lot. Like, like reading it? that book, the dogs, uh, uh, the genius of dogs mm -hmm. that really relaxed me and, and makes me think also for me, thinking is sometimes also relaxing. So I, because I, it gives me new ideas and, yeah. and new connections and, I'm similar, but I'm I'm curious to to know your experience. Um, I uh, like if I read a business book, um, it just gives it, it kind of overwhelms me with ideas, especially a good one. And then 
like I'm already, I feel like I'm already implementing other ideas from others. So like if I read too much, too much, too many business or personal development books at once, I kind yeah. of forget about the other stuff that I was implementing and want to implement new stuff. It's kind of like a little ADD thing. So yeah. uh, I personally like have been reading books that really relax me, which are like true stories about somebody's life. And that will take yeah. me away from business thought. So I'm curious if you've ever had an experience like that or what's your thoughts yeah. on it. So, so for your readers um, uh, and for the for the audience, let's say for your uh, listeners, uh, I have a routine uh, of reading. So I never read business books before sleeping. Mm-hmm. I, I, I read only like uh, stories or about history or about like this dog book. You know, business I read it in the morning, and I have uh, this. Uh, I read it on, only on Kindle. I don't read any more paper. Uh, and I highlight on the Kindle, and I have a tool which is called uh, EFTTT uh, that take my highlights from Kindle and send it to Evernote. And then once a week, I sit down with my assistant and read through all these highlights and the ideas that I got on the hydrogen and the notes that I wrote on the highlights of the Kindle. And then whatever I think is can be relevant for our company it gets sent to the right department. Oh, that's great. That's so great. Wow. You just blew my mind because I could totally use that. That makes okay. sense. Because I, like, like I always highlight the Kindle too, but then I was always like, I, I can email them to me, but I didn't know IFTTT will actually forward that to Evernote. So that's awesome. To Evernote, yes. Yeah. So I, have, I have like one, one directory in Evernote, which is the summaries of all the books that I read. Mm-hmm. That's a great yeah. hack, man. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> what else, what else is going on, Noah? What, what kind of amazing things do you want to, uh, share with us? Uh, well, there, there is some in Barcelona. Uh, I had, um, lunch, uh, on my return, actually the, the day that I came from baby Badwater, straight mm-hmm. from the, from the airport, I went to the lunch with uh, a director of the one of the biggest bank in Spain, mm-hmm. and uh, he he asked me actually my opinion on uh, on uh, on some law changes. Um, we have this mayor in Barcelona, uh, Calau that that has a new election next year, and she made a quite blunt move by obliging every real estate developer in Barcelona who is going to renovate a building above 600 meters square to give away 30% of the building to social housing. Wow. Now, yeah, that's a big thing. Eh? Yeah. That means that all your there, there goes all your profit because right. more than 30% most real estate developers don't make. So uh, that means that a lot of buildings above 600 meters square will not be bought will not be developed, will not be renovated. That means that there will be less apartments on the Spanish market, on, on, the, on the market in Barcelona. That means that by doing this, she will, she's obliging the market to raise the prices because there will be less uh, apartments for sale and for rent. And uh, she's doing actually the contrary what she uh, aimed to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, some people uh, say say it's a populist move. 
Some people say it's just to uh, become more uh, better electable for next year. Um, I restrain from a political any political opinion on on this, but I do know that the same happened in Amsterdam in uh, the the 90s, where the government made it more difficult to split apartments in a building, which meant less available apartments for sale and the prices went up. And the funny thing is about doing business internationally and especially real estate, like there is a, after a couple of years, you can see that there is a pattern, let's say in a city, there is a pattern in the evolution of laws, evolution of a market and, and a government. So uh, a lot of people panicked. And for me, to be honest with you, that's a, it's a big opportunity because means it's going to be less cowboys, means it's going to be uh, <laughs> less people that are interested. The prices will go up. Uh, banks are panicking, means prices will go down from, if you buy from banks. It's a, it's, it's, I think it's a, whenever there is a challenge, there is like also an opportunity on the other side of the coin. Right. Very cool. That's amazing. That's that's shocking though. Like thirty percent. Are there any other uh, uh, cities that have done that besides Amsterdam? Is this like a common thing? Or yeah, yeah. Like New York do it. London do it. There's many cities who do it, but but not thirty percent. It's a bit exaggerated. Wow. No, there's... Like Amsterdam do it sometimes with some projects. Like if you if you want a certain specific. Uh, renovation permits and then they will ask you look then we want 10% that you rent out only for 10 years you know I, I've done it I, I did a project of 45 apartments in the center of Amsterdam and I had to give uh, 10% to the government for 10 years mm-hmm. so yeah it's, uh, it's it's very normal but what she's asking him I think is a bit on bit too much yeah it sounds really steep that's a lot 30 percent so yeah that uh that and, and well, you've uh, got I'm, you've yeah. got your new real estate courses that are out too yeah yes yes that's uh that's gonna be the 14th of october uh, in barcelona mm-hmm. what, do you, what are you guys uh, where, doing there well it's a four-day course where i teach um like the mentality of investing uh, understanding the history and the rhythm and how you can foresee when the next crisis come, uh, but also how to find deals and how to fund them and how to have and create a system of finding and funding deals and how to diversify your assets, how to have a second and third passport, how to be tax efficient. And also for Americans, actually, we have a lot of Americans uh, clients um, that don't know that America actually is a is a tax paradise, and yeah. even for Americans. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's that's coming on the 14th of October. I'm very excited uh, to to give again more value to to the to the people. That's one thing that you know you and I were talking about this recently is that uh, America has so many loopholes that so many countries around the world don't have and and a lot of people are trying to get their business and their investments out of america when there's people i actually know people that have million dollar businesses that are going they've been abroad they're americans that have been abroad and they're going back to america because they miss the (laughs) the advantages that they had being an american uh, uh business owner you know and and we 
we spoke with uh, the founder of Mind Valley, Vishen Lakiani, um, in Croatia, and he's this is the largest, um, most popular personal development company I think on the planet now. And there, he's he has no employees in the U.S., but he is still an American-based company, and he wants to keep it that way. From what I've spoken to him about, so, so yeah, there's a lot of advantages there for sure. I th- I think yeah I think uh, if you dig more into the tax uh, history of uh, United States, um, it's if you understand where it's where how tax actually started in the United States and and who made the tax law, then you understand it's 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 uh, for the mass and it's for the working class. So mm-hmm. depends how you how you make your money. If you make it from working. Or if you make it from investing, as an investor, you pay way less tax than than if you are an employee. Right, right, very true. But everybody wants to maximize their their loopholes as much as possible. But when I, I know when I was looking into, you know, um, Panama or uh, Hong Kong or wherever, I thought to myself, like the time investment and the the energy investment is just. If I was making millions upon millions, okay, maybe. But um, but for where I was at, like there was no no point in going abroad with our yeah. businesses at this time, anyway. But I like the I, advantages I, I, that we have. You know, if I spend eleven months uh, traveling and then one month in the U.S., I don't have to pay any in income taxes under. It's amazing. Yeah, ninety two thousand dollars or something like that, which is phenomenal. And then the thing is that a lot of people don't know about it. Yeah, and uh, they're fr- unnecessarily frustrated. Yeah. But by the way, having assets outside the United States, uh, if you can afford it, it's almost a must. It's like it's like driving thirty kilometers per hour or like twenty miles per hour in a in a child friendly area without a seatbelt on. You know, like <laughs> yes, the, the chance that you're gonna have an accident is almost zero, but it's not gonna hurt you to put a seatbelt on. Mm-hmm. So it's like a kind of insurance, and I always advise to diversify your assets in other uh, countries and other currencies. What are some some great cities to invest in real estate in Europe at this moment? These days, yeah. Um, besides Barcelona, Barcelona yeah. <laughs> uh, besides Barcelona, I think in Europe it's uh, very interesting to check also Portugal, Lisboa. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Bulgaria, I like it a lot because they are part of the European Union, but not part of the Euro yet. And if you look at all the countries that uh, entered the Eurozone, they uh, the economic um, profits for entrepreneurs and asset holders like real estate doubled uh, in two three years after entering the Euro. Um, but also countries like Colombia is very interesting, and Chile is very interesting. Chile is one of the most stable countries in South America, mm. uh, and it has a very good uh, rules and tax systems for hiring and firing, for asset holding. Uh, Colombia, since the FARC uh, has been, uh, uh, it had a deal with the government, a peace deal, uh, it has been growing also like mushrooms uh, it has i like colombia because it has a 
very big population and the middle class is growing uh, step by step, but surely. Um, what uh, Thailand is interesting, uh, Vietnam is interesting. There's so many. Depends what what like your flavor. I mean, uh, orange juice is nice, but apple juice is also nice. <laughs> so it, first, first you need to have clarity. Let's say which area, which zone. What are you comfortable? Which language do you speak? Uh, are you more inclined to go to Asia more, or is it more like South America, or is it more Europe? Yeah. You, don't, you don't want to invest in a place and then having a problem that you have to solve and not wanting actually to go to that place. Yeah. Yeah. It's very true. Well, buddy, I think that's an amazing show. What do you think? Uh, I think it's uh, always amazing to speak to you. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Uh, no problem. Um, if the listeners want to reach out, Noah, and learn more about what you have going on or any of the events that are happening, uh, where's the best place they can do that at? I'll put the link uh, in the show. It's uh, noelate.com uh, or crisisinvestmentbootcamp.com. But I'll I'll put the link and then they can uh, send me an email there. Very true. Very cool. All right. Thank you, Noah, once again so much for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing all your tips and tricks and all your, your infinite wisdom with us. We really appreciate it, my friend. Thanks. <laughs> thank, thank you, Veronica. Thank you, Chris. Listeners, we're going to wrap up there. Thank you guys for joining us once again, and we'll see you all on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Hey, listeners, thanks again for joining the show. We wanted to remind you about our Get Shit Done one-on-one -on -one productivity coaching that we recently just launched. What we do is work with you to create big business goals that are absolutely game changers. We make a plan together and put you in our productivity hacking system that helps you stay on target. Each week, you get a call with yours truly about what steps to take for the following week. Some say it's like a year of productivity in just three months. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com forward slash coaching. Thebusinessmethod.com forward slash coaching.